Welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of Fishheads in Red Gravy, the podcast where we explore all things occult, metaphysical, culturally relevant, and indigenously spiritual. With this podcast, I hope to examine the ways in which marginalized people create a world of beauty out of colonized trauma. And today is what in the West we would call Easter. And I would like to look at some of the traditions. I would like to examine an article that talked about Easter and Ostara and its converging traditions. Because I think that this is one of those um, opportunities where just like during Christmas time, we can look at the whole um, interesting dynamic of having Black Peter or Black Pete um, in the regions of Amsterdam, right? We can look at Easter and Ostara and converging traditions. And the article starts off by saying that many of those preparing to celebrate Easter may not realize there are others planning to celebrate Ostara at the same time. The two holidays are actually closely related and draw upon similar historical roots. Osara is essentially the pagan incarnation of the traditional Christian Easter. The Christian tradition itself draws the name from the pagan god Oster or Estere. This word has dramatic roots and refers to the eastern direction from which the sun rises. The vernal equinox takes place each year between March 19th and March 22nd, while Easter always occurs between late March and early April. In the past, beginning with the pagans, this time of year was celebrated as one of renewal and rebirth. Christians adopted the symbolism to represent the resurrection of Christ rather than the earth itself. Other religious traditions predating Christianity have had similar figures that utilize the same symbolism. Hathor, an Egyptian figure that experienced rebirth, is merely one example. So we've all we can witness through other spiritual traditions, you know, this whole idea of the rebirth or the rebirth of a savior or a messiah. So not just in Christian lore is there a Christ-like messiah. So other practices also have that same sort of symbolization of this uh, individual who is coming to cleanse. It's not just a Christian belief system, right? Uh, you know, sorry to bust some bubbles, but it's not. There are a Christ in other spiritual systems as well. According to myth, pagan children would present eggs as a gift to the goddess in return for the coming of the spring. Oster or Ostara traditionally carried an egg to symbolize birth and new life. Christian traditions incorporated eggs have not strayed very far from this practice. The popular depiction of the rabbit associated with the Christian celebration has its roots in the pagan tradition as well. Ostara was said to have been so touched by the gifts that she received, right, that she recruited her minions, which happened to be rabbits, to return these eggs to the children in, of all things, right, baskets. Um, March and the location of the sun also mark the time of the running of rabbits, right, when they are at their most, um, you know, time of, of copulation, right, more rabbits, more babies, the rabbits symbolize this whole fertility because we know how they populate, right. This implies elements of fertility in relation to the bounty that the earth cultivates during this time of year. Other popular legends have emerged on the equinox as well. The word translates as 
balance. So this is a time of rebalancing the earth when all of the crops and all of this beauty and this this growth is coming back, right? The sun is back to help to, um, you know, have this growth come, this growth spurt, this rain and fertilization and all of these things, this photosynthesis, this play on bringing back nature. So this balancing, bearing some responsibility for the idea that an egg could be balanced on its end only during this time. The days and nights also reflect this translation. During this period of time, light and dark are equally 12 hours long. Early Christian churches were more sensitive to the pagan roots of the celebration of Ostara and disproved of the incorporation of eggs and rabbits in the holiday, right? So as pagans would continue to um, utilize their own belief systems, and you had the Christians coming in and putting churches in these areas where the pagans called their holy spaces, right? The, they would still use the space to bury their eggs. And um, you had a lot of the Christian um, or the or the Catholic or the whoever came in, right? These, these um, uh, ministers would you know, tell the children, give me the eggs and then I'll give you money. So then you had this whole exchange of, you know, like what we were called today, the Easter egg hunt, right? Open the egg, find treats inside the egg. Sometimes it's money, sometimes it's candy. And then you give the plastic egg, if it's a plastic egg, back to the adult for, so they can use another year, right? So that type of um, exchange came from the priests of the day encouraging children to remove the symbol of worship from the ground to remove this pagan symbol this egg and then they were rewarded to children by paying them in small amounts right um as time passed like i said we started to incorporate that into our easter egg hunt where sometimes it's a plastic egg and then sometimes it is also um you know hardball egg and the children can find them and then they can wash them off and eat them and that's their treat so just a, a tie-in for a lot of times we look at holidays and even as um, you come into the system or a system of belief that is far removed from the Judeo-Christian belief systems, you start to think that there are certain things that you cannot acknowledge anymore, right? But you don't know that those uh, beginnings have their own pagan roots and that there are still uh, activities or rituals that you can incorporate within even as you transition away from um, Judeo-Christian belief systems. And so today, one of the things that we started to do in my home was we did the three eggs. We call ball three eggs and I wrote on each egg, past, present, and future. And so with each egg, we were going to pick them up in the past, for example, take the past egg and you're going to think about something from your past that you are happy that has been discarded from your life, right? And you're going to say, you know, into the egg that, you know, you do not want that uh, energy back into your life, whatever it was, right? You could even say it in your head as you hold the egg and you breathe on it, um, you know, but you don't want that energy to, to repeat itself in your life. Okay, put that one down, pick up the present. And you can talk about things that you want to accomplish or continue to accomplish or to work through. Maybe some obstacles that you are dealing with right now in the present that you would like the goddess energy to help to, you know, resolve so that you can move forward. 
and whisper that, but you're thinking about things in the present that you may be dealing with. And it could be some positive things that you could hope, you know, the positivity of whatever that energy is could extend itself into a longer period of time. And put that one down. Then you pick up the future. And you think about something I like to think in long range, long terms, a year from now, that I hope that maybe something that I'm doing in the present can manifest into something that is a future success, right? And you whisper that, put that one down. And then everyone in the home can do it. And then you take, have the youngest person take those eggs and put them at the foot of a tree, you know, um, you know, an area, or you can even walk to an area where there is a tree and put those eggs at the foot of a tree. And you leave them there for the goddess Ostara um, or whatever goddess energy that you feel comfortable acknowledging. Um, it could even be an ancestral energy of a ancestral female, right? And ask for their their blessing and, and helping you to accomplish the the whisperings that you have offered to those eggs. And that is a way to still incorporate that whole energy of the season from the earliest individuals, the pagans who brought this practice into being into your um, own life. Okay. So for for this week, I would like to look at three cards. The first being the chariot, which is in reverse, and I am looking at, or I was looking at as I looked at or examined all of the cards, Mary Kay Greer's Tarot Reversal, the complete book of Tarot Reversal, which I love a lot because, and I bought this book and I like to look at this book a lot instead of even thinking about when I'm doing decks that are that stay um, rooted or grounded in the Pamela Coleman Smith style of tarot, right? Because some tarot decks, you know, veer, you know, quite far away from Pamela Coleman Smith style, which is okay. But if you're going to use Mary Kay Greer's book, you want to still have those same names, you know, you still want to have that same thought behind what you're looking at because her book deals specifically with those types of decks, right, that are in that wheelhouse of Pamela um, Puma Smith deck. But anyhow, the chariot was the first card that came up. And it was in reversal. And what I like about um, Mary Kay Greer's book, when she talks about the reversal of the chariot card, because in this book, she's also talking about right side up, but it's a book that's primarily, um, for me, is geared toward reversals, because a lot of times people have... Um, they, they, they understand the right side up, but the reversals sometimes give people a lot of confusion because they think, okay, so is it just the opposite of right side up? And sometimes it is, and sometimes it's not, you know, sometimes it's a whole different other meaning. So the chariot came in reversal. And if you know anything about the chariot card, it, 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 there's this guy, this leader, emperor, I like to say, and he's coming back from battle and he's riding, you know, his chariot. And um, he's looking really regal and really successful and really, you know, it's like I did it, you know, look at me, you know. And with it being upside down, what she wants us to think about is the whole story, the Freudian story of the Oedipus complex, right? And, you know, the whole image of, you know, killing the man and marrying the woman and finding out that you killed your father and you married your mother, that kind of thing. So it's this sort of bully mentality. Um, and with this card, it's thinking or assuming that you are um, so far removed from being poor or so far removed from being um, not successful. You know, you've reached this pinnacle of, of, of success that you don't have to, um, 
you know, pay attention to the little people, that you can just trample over everybody. You know, you have earned this right to own and to take and to pillage everything and that everybody needs to pay attention to you because you've done it and you've done it on your own and it's yours. You got it. You're where you are because you are the greatest. You made yourself into this person and you have nobody else um, to look at in terms of, of, of helping you in your with your ascend to success, right? And so that's what this card is actually about. This first one, this chariot, is about that. Looking at how we examine our own success. Um, do we become bullies on the route to success? Or do we thank people, you know, who have extended themselves no matter what to where we are? You know, sometimes we think that somebody is giving us assistance and it is so menial that it doesn't really have any in, any interplay in where we are. And um, when you really think about it, if it had been for even the little slightest thing, then you might not be where you where you are today. Right. Had it not been for something that you may think of as, as it, it just, you know, you just push it to the back of your mind, you know, sort of, and don't really think about it on a daily basis. But that one thing could have been the turning point between you being, you know, the person you are today as, as opposed to being someone who may be, you know, for, you know, lack of a better um, analogy, you know, incarcerated or somebody who may not even be here in this plane of a living, right? So things like that. So the person or the emperor um, riding the chariot has run away with his whole idea of success, right? It's me, 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 me. He's that kind of guy who's thinking that I did all of it. I did that. I did that. It's me. I'm the one. Look at me. I did it. I'm, I made myself into this self-made person. And um, it's it's taking it on into a being a bully. And so much so that you don't see what's coming down, you know, the pipe right after you. You know, you don't see the next person who's as, who, who decides that they want to be the emperor, right? And so, you know, you have a hard time dealing with failure when it happens because you have not planned. You don't think you have the plan because you think that you're up there. Nobody's going to come up there after you. Nobody can be better than you. You're it. You don't have to do any work. You know, you can just coast the rest of the way. And so that's what this reversal is about. Not, not you know, being okay with your success, not saying that you can't be proud of yourself or you can't celebrate successes, but what it's saying is that you have to acknowledge that nothing in life that we do, we do alone, right? And we have to always be willing to give acknowledgement to that. And so one thing that I would um, ask people to do is to take a little slip of paper it doesn't have to be a whole sheet. You can cut it in half and start writing some acknowledgments down each day. Some people that you would like to thank for some things that you got through during that day, you know, um, and, and it could be a short list. It could be one person list, you know, but more than yourself, even if you say, OK, well, I'm going to thank myself more than yourself. Right. And make some acknowledgments and then, you know, burn that list and that, that that blessing or that thank you into the universe and let that be. But make it a, a steady habit of practicing doing that each day within the next two weeks, you know, make a steady practice of that. And then you start to see how that will play out in your real life of saying thank you to people. Right acknowledging that I didn't do this all on my own. Thank you. You know, you'll start saying that in your real world. And then you'll start seeing because you're burning this petition each day that people will start to thank you as well. Um, the next card that came up was the sun card. And that card was exactly right side up. Um, 
and the sunk cord is the cord where you have the baby who's excited, who's riding, you know, the horse under the sun and everything is looking really pretty and exciting. And it's just, everything is in perfect balance, so to speak. So the sunk cord is about joy. It's about feeling joy. It's what Barry K. Girl calls the yes cord, right? Enjoying all of these pleasures that life has to give us, right? We're able to enjoy them. We're not full of gloom. We're not looking around, you know, uh, waiting for the shoe to drop or just waiting for you know adversity to take hold of our lives we are exactly where we all want to be and we're happy about it and we're acknowledging that and that's a good play off of the um you know coming off of the the other core coming off of the chariot core you know being able to acknowledge it because the, whereas the reverse chariot core was about acknowledging too much that it's just me 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 the sun core is saying it's okay to acknowledge your greatness it's okay to acknowledge that you've accomplished the goal but also be thankful for the individuals around you who allowed you to be able to accomplish that goal that's what the sun core is about so it is that yes core so if you're asking a question and you or doing a one chord pull and the sun chord comes up, then that gives you a yes. But it's not a yes that means that you still don't have to continue to plan, right? Plan for the next goal. You know, take some time off and be celebratory. You know, give take yourself out and get yourself a treat. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Eat a piece of chocolate. But still plan for whatever the next goal is going to be, right? And then the last card that came up was the Four of Swords, right? In the Four of Swords, you have the individual laying flat. And then you have three swords above him and one right under like, oh, like you know, like placed on the side of his bed or where he's resting, right? So you see the four swords. And she, Mary Kay Greer says it's about escaping sorrow or clarifying your thoughts. Um, and so in trying to escape sorrow, you retreat into your sleep space because that's the only space where you feel like you can have some acknowledgement of peace, right? Of peace of mind. Let me go to sleep. Let me try and think on it or even let me go to sleep so I can run away from it astrally. Right. So that's what this particular card is about. These hanging swords are about pressure, pressure on you, how much pressure is on your mind. And if you if you put yourself in the picture of this card, right, if some swords are over your head, you're not going to be um, be able to rest easy, so to speak. If you've ever witnessed or seen some of these um these uh, fast action movies and the person is, you know, this this sword or this this um, uh, axe is swinging, you know, over their head and they may be suspended or even moving on some kind of conveyor belt. You know, they're not they're not at ease with that. So the hanging swords are sure uh, they remind us that we're not at ease with that with what's going on in our lives but we're trying to rest to avoid the forward sword right which is still a part of us a part of us our our body our torso is within us this forward sword that's the way i always look at it and um we feel as though sleep will help us to pacify the anxiety that we're feeling and um it's a it's a really really heavy cord um and it is right side up and it's still heavy because you can't escape it. There is no escape. Even if you go to sleep, there is still no escape of it. The problems are still going to be there. Um, you know, when you get up, you're still going to be faced with those problems. And for some people, um, 
the you know trying to wake up even to use the restroom or trying to get a glass of water they experience a lot of sleep paralysis you know and a lot of that is still that weight you know the heavy anxiety or the energy that they've given over into the the anxiety to have it form its own thought form has created this um this this weight this invisible weight on their bodies and so the four swords is definitely about that it's about strength and straightening out your life so if you see how those three cards play together that chariot that sun and that four swords then you think about you know um planning constantly planning 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 but also you know getting rid of you know things that don't service you you know and not allowing it to become an anxiety rich environment or an anxiety rich situation and so meditation is a good thing and a lot of people get thrown off when you say meditation because they think i can't do it i can't sit there i can't do what i um, associate with as be defining meditation but it could also be just going to listen to some meditative music some sofagio frequencies i like to listen to or some you know type in you know tibetan singing bowls or rain music or things like that you know and just sit calmly that could be a meditative state right just sit calmly and then after you've listened to that for maybe about it could be 10 minutes 15 minutes there are even some that go up to nine hours you know whatever works for you then start to write out you know a plan of attack for the things that bring you anxiety in your life take one thing at a time write it out and try to attack that situation because when you allow these things to pile up then there is no way to you know just get at all of them at once so you have to create a plan of attack and one way to do that is to slow it all down by using that meditative tibetan singing modes or that rain music or you know whatever works for you sabetio frequencies or even your favorite um easily listening r&b or whatever it is help to slow it down and then go and write out your plan of attack love you all talk to you soon many blessings i shake